This is Aaron Ross, Southwest Regional Director of American Atheists, author of Foundational Falsehoods of Creationism, and you're listening to The Canadian Atheist. How can it be argued, I've got a minute I think now, how can it be argued that something that's on a knife edge for life, a knife edge for life, could go either way, that keeping us on the knife edge proves there must be a designer at work? Why would a designer keep us on a knife edge where at any moment our planet might tip to be where the other planets he made were dead, lifeless, where nothing happens. The knife edge proves a designer. It proves nothing of the kind. And if it wasn't life, it would be death that they'd use for their argument from design. Professor Francis Collins, the man who helped us sequence the Human Genome Project, says that he went for a hike one day in the wilderness. We've all been impressed by nature in our day, as we have by music and by sex and by love and by many other things to feel that there's a transcendent, but Professor Collins goes and he sees a frozen glacier with the three streams of river frozen in a trinity. Nothing can live up there. It's a lifeless thing. And it happens to be a metaphor for Christianity. He falls to his knees and accepts Jesus as he sees this and expects us to think that that's an argument and that that's evidence. Well, as I say, scientists or people who claim to be interested in science can believe weird and foolish things. Just be aware that's the deal you're being offered today. Thanks. Welcome to The Canadian Atheist, a podcast about news, current events, and commentary on all things atheism from a Canadian perspective. Now, this podcast carries the explicit tag and wears it like a motherfucking badge of honor. So, if you get offended, you might want to switch off. The CA records each week live from Apostasy Studios. Why not join in the discussion? Find us on Facebook, email us at theca at rogers.com, or follow us on the old Twitter machine at the underscore ca underscore podcast. If we're amused or tweaked by yourself, we just might even use it on the show. And now, here are Michael and Dean. All right, here we go. Welcome to CA. Today is Monday, December 17th, 2018. I am Michael. I am Dean. Um, what... 74. 74. 70 Already. F- 74. I know, it's kind of crazy. We're coming up on... We're, we're quickly approaching two years of this. Wow. March will be our second anniversary. I don't even realize that we've been doing it that long. I know, and it's... Well, I, I'm depressed... We were doing it informally just between meeting each other yeah before we decided to record it and then and then yeah i guess the other thing is that you know i mean we've you know schedules have made it so that we haven't been able to do one every week exactly because we should be coming up on about a hundred an episode 100 right now but uh, you have young kids and that they killed they ruin ruin everything so yeah i have young kids and you you go on vacation and i go on vacation that's right (laughs) so so i have less excuse but but dean um we have uh we have a guest joining us we do and this is, uh, I've, been, I've been looking forward to this conversation. It's been, uh, it's been, uh, it hasn't been an arduous journey to get here. It's, it, it's always it's, nice to have, have, have a, another voice on the podcast. Though. Yeah, no, it is good. It is good. And so, uh, any of you, uh, any of you familiar, hey, hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Um, when you hear this, I guess tomorrow, they'll hear this tomorrow, because I'll post it whenever. <laughs> it's not <laughs> live anyway. <laughs> I doubt, well, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know how many people downloaded immediately and listen right away. I do. No, how do you think I get our views up? No. Um, okay. So uh, joining us all the way from, uh, as he said, I think it's just outside Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, is is a gentleman that I actually met, uh, interacted with uh, on Twitter, and uh, bringing I, great minds together. Yes. Um, and I won't. Uh, I won't share his last name. If he wants to, to say it, that's totally fine. But uh, I don't know how much anonymity he either uh, wants to uh, uh, retain, or whether he cares. But also for everybody, yes, much to your, uh, much to everyone's uh, 
degree. I don't know. I guess everyone will be upset. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if everyone will be upset. Ed will be happy, but I won't be swearing this episode. So out of out of respect for uh, out of respect for our guest, um, safe to bring the kids into the room. Yeah, safe to bring the kids into the room for this one. Uh, Dean and I will be clean. Uh, well, we're never clean, but we're we won't be foul foul mouthed uh, for today's episode. But tune in next week, and we'll make up for it. Just kidding. Um, actually, this will probably be the last episode before Christmas, I guess. Probably, yeah. Yeah, probably before, last one before Christmas. Okay, so joining us for, uh, just outside Charlotte, North Carolina, is Ed. Ed, welcome to the Canadian Atheist. Hey. Well, th- thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's good, uh, good to be here. I look forward to the conversation. And and uh, I will say that uh, I uh, there are some folks uh, in in the church that I'm a member of who are going to listen to the podcast. So they'll they'll appreciate the um, let's say the 1950s language. We'll call it. <laughs> well, I, don't know, I don't I don't know if profanity was any less prevalent in the 1950s, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is definitely this this can be considered in all ears. Uh, an all years episode. What what, uh, what year was the Goodfellas set in? Because that oh, Goodfellas was set in in the fifties. Yeah, and that was the the movie that had the the the, the record for the most swear words until uh, um, the uh, oh the one yeah the one with uh, Leo DiCaprio. No no no, it was um, a cartoon. Uh, oh, I have no idea. Sin City. No, I can't think right now. All right, doesn't matter. Blame Canada, blame Canada. Oh, uh, South Park. South Park. Leave, it, yeah, leave it to Beaver kind of stuff, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so Ed and I, um, for, for everybody who's wondering, uh, who's Ed? Uh, Ed is a gentleman that I met on Twitter. So as everybody everybody's aware, I don't tweet as myself. I only tweet as the podcast. Uh, I can I can only really handle Facebook from a social media perspective, so I tweet as the podcast uh, to kind of get the voice out there a little bit. And uh, Answers in Genesis is one of my favorites. <laughs> um, they're just so silly, and so um, that's how that's how Ed uh, Ed and I first uh, came into contact with uh, with one another, and uh, we went back and forth a little bit. And uh, is that is that is that fair to say Ed went back and forth a little bit and then decided to take it to yeah. the next level? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so uh, okay, so Ed, tell us a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, um, let's. Uh, I guess we'll start with education. Uh, I am trained. I have been to seminary, so I do have a doctor in theology, doctorate in theology. Um, I have pastored churches in the past uh, in three different states: uh, in West Virginia, North New York, and North Carolina. Uh, today, I am a um, professional working in human resources, uh, predominantly in adult education. I am a Reformed Baptist uh, and uh, have lived in North Carolina for the last, gosh, 19 years. It's been that long. So married, four children. My my children, I have one one child that's about to graduate. All the other ones are up and out of the house. Oh, empty nesting is a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, but I, I will warn you, I do have a Doberman. I hope you can, I hope there's uh, some editing that you can do on the other side of this because sometimes he tends to uh, make noise that I can't predict in advance. Oh, that's okay. My, yeah, my our dog, uh, our dog Finn is pretty much sleeping at, uh, at my feet right now. But, uh, but actually, typically we don't do a lot of editing. Um, I, you know, we like to keep things, you know, kind of, uh, authentic in that way. So, yeah. so oh, you, you, nice. it's, it's something you never have to worry about is, and this is conversations that, uh, for example, when we had our discussion, what was it in July or something like that with Kent Hovind? Yeah. Um, uh, I, th- you know, I think Kent was in the discussion before we hit the record button, 
he uh, he he virtually insinuated that we would you know cut yeah, and paste cut and, and yeah. edit and, and make him look silly. And and of course we we don't do that. Whatever whatever we talk about is what the audience will hear. Because uh, sure. uh, Michael know, hates editing. Yeah, I also hate <laughs> editing. Uh, I I want to punch Dean in the face every time he mentions his kids' names. Um, and uh, and and also it's uh, you know despite what some I won't put you in that boat. Despite what some um, Christians would believe, um, my moral compass would never allow for such a dishonest thing. Good. So, okay. So, so you are, as we talked about before, you are a, a presuppositional apologist. Um, I, I am. I'm probably not. Um, I know I hear a lot of guys call themselves apologists. Um, I'm not, I really don't call myself that, although others probably would. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So you are a theist. You believe in God. I do believe in God, yes. Which and I, I am more specifically a Christian. Because uh, my next question was going to be which one? So there, there's, there's only one. Depending on who you ask. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, okay. So, how, okay. So, I'll, I'll let you, I'll, I'll you know, instead of what, what usually happens and what I've seen happen in lots of different situations is the, you know, the person who, you know, kind of agrees to come into this, uh, as William Lane Craig would call it, this den of lambs, um, uh, you know, get bombarded with questions. Uh, I'll, you know, let, let you have the first crack at us. Ask us some questions. All right. Well, so how do you define atheism? Dean, you want to take this one? Uh, atheism, as we define it, is the rejection of your claim that a god exists. We don't com- we don't claim that no gods exist. We just reject the claim that a god does exist. Hmm. And that's basically and, and the end of the end of the definition. There is there is we the the term atheist doesn't make any other claim in any other facet of belief. It's just the rejection of a god claim. Right. So um, you reject the claim that any god exists. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I mean, and I'm yeah. not. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't discriminate. I don't think Yahweh, Zeus, Allah, Thor, Quetzalcoatl, uh, Osiris, or any of the other thousands of gods that have been postulated over millennia exist. And the reason I don't mm. think that any of them exist is because I don't have a good reason to think that any of them exist. And none. None have met their 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 proof burden. Yeah. What in your mind would qualify as a good reason? Uh, objectively verifiable data that would count as evidence for a claim made. So, 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 for example, proof? yeah, yeah. I mean, so essentially, and and you know, proof is hard, right? It because is. because we we can't necessarily prove anything to a hundred degree percent of certainty, right? That's and and it doesn't matter because nowhere in our lives do we wait for a hundred percent certainty in which to act and which to conduct most of a, you know most of the affairs within our life. So that doesn't even matter. Um, but it all depends on the claim, Ed. So so someone makes a claim. Uh, a God exists, specifically my God, um, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, you know, whatever you want. Or if I'm talking to a, a Muslim apologist, they'll say Allah, whatever. Um, and, you know, so we look at the claim itself. Mm-hmm. Now, you said you have a dog, right? Uh, you said you have a Doberman. Now, I don't know that you have a Doberman for sure, 
Um, maybe you have, you know, maybe you have a, a child that has some type of mental health disorder that runs around and barks like a dog. And you, 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 you make an excuse for that to say, well, no, it's actually just, it actually is a real dog. Um, you know, but because you're embarrassed, the fact that, you know, that your, your kid has a problem. And of course I'm, I'm being completely facetious and making this up. Ed in no way, of course, said that in any way, shape or form. But it, when you say I have a dog, that's a mundane claim. It, you know, I know I have a dog. You, you, you can't know that I'm saying that I'm being truthful, but my dog is two feet from me sleeping uh, right now. It's a mundane claim. But when somebody says, I have a pink unicorn that lives in my garage, then you say, well, okay, well, you know, I, okay, I know, I know dogs exist, right? And I know people have dogs. I see dogs. I have a dog. I've had dogs in the past, this, that, and the other thing. Now, an invisible pink unicorn, no, that's, that's different. Um, you got anything else for me? Yeah. And so when someone says, I believe in God, uh, you know, cool story, bro. W- what have you got? Fantastic claims require fantastic as- evidence. Yeah. Is that so? Yeah, well, I mean, a fantastic claim is that um, there's a pot of, a leprechaun has a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That's a qu- pretty fantastic claim, and it would require fantastic proof for me to believe it. Okay, so I'm just taking a note here because what you just said is actually very controversial and should never just be uncritically accepted. And I, for one, do not accept that uh, presupposition that a fantastic claim requires fantastic evidence. Uh, oh, don't, don't get and me wrong. No, I, love me some, I love me some lucky charms. <laughs> and, you know, and if there was a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, I'd be all in for it. But you know, that, that doesn't make it true. So, but, but, no, but okay, no, go, go ahead. Of course not. So, you know, so, uh, you know, lay it out. You, so you, okay. I just want to, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I want to come, I want to come back to, sure. um, a subject that as a, as a presuppositionalist, one of the, one of the areas that I really like to hang out in, uh, and sometimes it, it drives people a little nutty is the idea of justification. The idea of, you know, you said it, you said it well right up front, uh, good reason. There is no good reason for me to accept um, belief in any God, right? Sure, yeah. And so when we think about that, the, the claim that there is no good reason is also a claim that says that if you, tr- if you follow it back, if you walk that idea back, it sits on a presupposition that there is such a thing as a model belief-forming process that all rational human beings should should follow. Correct. I don't know. I don't think I have a problem with that. Do you? No, that sounds that sounds reasonable. Yeah, sounds sounds reasonable. So in atheism, so what what. Before we jump into that, uh, and before we chase that rabbit, I'm interested in understanding uh, if if you guys hold what brand of a- atheism do you guys hold to? Naturalism, materialism? Where where are you on that spectrum? Well, well, again, as as, as Dean explained, um, those are those are different cans of worms. Um, so mm-hmm. so there is no. I mean, you, you will meet people in, in the same way you'll say, well, you know, I'm a Reformed Baptist. You'll people who, you know, there were people who will say, well, you know, I hold, I hold to methodological naturalism, atheism. And, and that's fine. I, you know, you can label yourself however you want. And, and I try to be respectful and, you know, and, and respect the labels that people choose to 
put on themselves. Myself, and I think I think I speak for Dean as well, but I'll let him speak for himself in a second, is that, you know, I'm an atheist, period, end of sentence. I don't accept the claim that any gods exist. Everything else is something else. So so it's so it's not that I'm a it's not that I'm an you know I'm a naturalistic atheist or materialist atheist or a you know or a you know pot of, pot of gold atheist. Um, I'm just an atheist, and everything else is something else. So okay, as well. what are in in your from your standpoint? What are human beings? Uh, well, by definition, we? we are animals. Yeah, yeah, we we are we are multi multicellular eukaryotes. With an internal di- di- digestive tract, that is that's a fairly simple explanation of what an animal is. We are animals the same way. Uh, I mean, we are animals. We are apes. We are monkeys. Uh, the, you know, the same way an elephant is an animal. The same way, uh, you know, a giraffe is an animal. Same way a daffodil is is a living creature. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we're we're different in the in the in the in the living spectrum of things, plants versus animals. An animal, by definition, is a multicellular eukaryote with an dig- internal digestive tract. Um, so that's, you know, and, and we just happen to be, you know, primates with big brains. Yeah. We evolved to have the largest brains, um, arguably the largest brains on the planet. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. we have used those brains to reach the level that we're at. We do what? We have used, we have used our large brains to reach the level that we're at right currently on the planet. Top of the food chain. (laughs) All right. So, so. If human beings are using their brains to do whatever, that would essentially separate the identity of the human from the brain so that the brain would be a tool used by the human, which would mean that human beings are not just their brains. Um, No, I I almost fundamentally disagree with that. Uh, The mind is what the brain does. Um, when, when my body dies, everything about me will no longer cease to be. And the mind that was contained within that brain is no more. And it doesn't go anywhere. I'm a monist in that way. I'm not a dualist. Our biological processes allow us to continue in an animate way. As soon as those biological processes cease, everything about us also ceases. So do you think that human beings have free will? Um, I would, uh, I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure why that matters. I mean, I mean, so, I mean, I have the, I have the free will and it's interesting because there are different arguments made by, by certain people, people like Sam Harris who argue, you know, against the idea of libertarian free will. Um, and some people who say we don't have any free will at all. I mean, for example, if you, if you are a presuppositional apologist, can I, are you also, are you a Calvinist? I am. Okay, so you don't think we have free will. Um, oh, no. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so okay, okay, pardon me. Yes, no, p- please, please. I don't want to put uh, words in your mouth. I will say that um, the reason I said that is because when we spoke to Saiten Bruggenkate, who is also a presuppositional apologist and a Reformed Baptist, he sat two mm-hmm. feet from us and said, we do not have free will. Everything that we do, and I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn, you can go back and listen to the episode, everything that we do, in fact, Sai, in a debate that I watched, said our free choices are predetermined by God. That's right, but that does not mean we do not have free will. You see, a Calvinist, Calvinism uh, uh, would affirm compatibilism, right? So the idea that that God is both sovereign and that uh, our acts are predetermined, but that also human beings do have free will. That is to say, we do what we want to do, 
that how God can, does not how can we force do, us against our will to do anything, that we're never carried kicking and screaming, screaming against our will anywhere. We always is, willingly do whatever God has, has predetermined. How, so the how reason I ask you the question about free will, so on, just to be clear, Calvinism would affirm the idea that human beings have free will. It's how that how Calvinism defines free will that is different. What Calvinism rejects is libertarian free will. And the reason I'm asking the questions about the mind and the brain and what human beings are and the reason free will is important in this discussion is if human beings are just their brains, well, then they don't use their brains. They are just their brains. Uh, and the reason free will is important, and I had asked earlier about this model for form, for belief formation. And the, the question is that that model, that when we talk about an abstract model for belief, proper belief formation for rational creatures such as human beings, the idea is that we can freely align our belief formation process to that model in order to have a good versus a deficient belief formation process. And I'm, I'm finding it extremely difficult uh, to reconcile that idea with any kind of atheism out there, right? especially naturalism, because if naturalism is true, human beings are their brains and a brain is nothing more than nature determining whatever that brain should do, whatever it should think, whatever it should believe. All it's thinking, all it's believing, all it's acting is nothing more than the impersonal forces of nature having its effects on that mass. Just like when the wind blows a tree and leaves fall from the tree, it's the same thing. That's nature doing what nature does. So this idea of free will, this idea of having a good reason to believe something goes to a belief-forming model that humans ought to have, uh, which we all disagree on what it actually should look like, seems to me to be quite untenable when it comes to what you guys are claiming human beings actually are. I've got a, a quick question about about free will. Uh, maybe this is just my f own misunderstanding, but free will as opposed to what? What's the opposite Determin of free will? Hard de hard determinism is the opposite of free will. Okay, you want to th you want to throw a definition on that? Uh, everything is determined, even acts of uh, the will. So that you're basically, it's very, uh, let's just take a machine. Nature is a machine. So human beings, every human being that exists today in hard determinism would be doing, acting, thinking, believing only what the impersonal forces of nature are determining that they do. I believe that there's a God because nature wired my brain in this way, you are an atheist because nature has determined and wired your brain in that way, right? 
and completely there's disagree. Yeah, no, yeah, we are. Yeah, no, I completely active. disagree with that. Nature wired our brains yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. Well, that would be hard determinism. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, but a, a second ago, you said I'm, you're finding it hard to reconcile one versus the other. Um, why? Why do you find that hard to reconcile? Because it, it seems like a blatant contradiction to me to say that human beings are just brains that are here as a product of the impersonal forces of nature and that all the activity that goes on in the human brain is actually driven out from natural processes, yet somehow I can willingly choose to change my own beliefs as if I'm not my brain. Oh, but so, we don't right? choose There's another said. force. There's another force that seems to be at work in your system that's not being accounted for, right? So if atheism is true, naturalism is true, the brain is just passive. It's just the product of what nature's doing to it. Nature has... Right? Essentially, what this, ends up, what this ends up being is it, it quickly deteriorates into either phenomenalism or solipsism. You end up in a situation where you really don't even know if I'm a real person extended in space and time that you're having this conversation with, or if this is just nature doing what it does to your brain. You can't distinguish between – it's like a dream. You, when you have a dream, you think when you're in the dream that this is real, that it's happening, but it's not. It's just a dream, and you wake up and realize, all oh, that was just a dream. Well, the question is, if, if your worldview is true, isn't it theoretically possible that none of this is actually real and that somewhere in the future you're going to wake up and realize all this was just That's entirely nothing. possible, but it's not, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Please, please don't tell me you're going to go to the brain in a vat thing. I, I'm not going to go to a brain in a vat, okay. uh, but I but, honestly, uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things that I do wonder philosophically is how, how a naturalist uh, someone who holds a naturalism actually deals with that dilemma. I don't see how they get out of that. But well, well, so you said a, you said a couple it. of different things that I want to address. The first thing you said is, mm -hmm. and the first time I heard someone say this was I heard uh, William Lake Craig said he said if atheism is true, um, atheism is simply the rejection of a belief claim. So it's not about atheism being true because all atheism is is the rejection of your claim that hey there's a god so it, it, atheism so the statement if atheism is true doesn't make any sense um the other thing that you said that's interesting you said is it appears evident that there's a force well are you talking about force from star wars or are you talking about the you know like magic from harry potter what force are you referring to and what justification do you have to assert that this force is one, a real thing, and is two, happens to be the God of the Bible that just happens to be the dominant faith tradition in the area you were raised in. Mm. Well, I wasn't raised in a faith tradition, so that's that's the, the one thing that I... Were you raised in the United to. States? I was. Yeah, then you were raised in, in, then you were raised in a geographic location where Christianity is the dominant belief system. That's, that, mm. that's the point I was making. No, which Christianity? No, no, no. I'm, I, I'm, so. I'm, uh, I know what the implication is, and I reject, I reject the implication. Uh, I don't if you think were born, if you were think... born in India, you'd yeah. probably be believe so, in, in Vishnu and, Hin and Hinduism. Yeah, and if you were born in Afghanistan, so, well, you'd be a Muslim. Yeah. You know, if I follow that logic through, then Christianity shouldn't exist, but it does, and it's the largest religion in the world. But it shouldn't be if that reasoning is 
is actually tenable, right? It should not be, but it is. Uh, because there was a time when it was not. It, there was no such thing as Christianity. So if, if, if that There was also a time when there was no such thing as cars. Is, what does that have to do with it's it? It's plausible. <laughs> well, it, has every, it has everything to do with apple, apples and oranges. So let's come back to this atheism is, is truth. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to let you go. Good. I'm not going to let you go on that. Atheism, by definition, is the rejection of a God claim. Therefore, atheism mm-hmm. is true. And I'm going to fight you right, every well, time I you talk say. About that. I want to talk about that. So okay, so atheism is a rejection, a rejection of a God claim. Go. No, it's not. What I? No, 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 no. no. I, I'm not saying that that's not the case. I do believe that atheism is the rejection of a God claim. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to fuss with you over that at all. I have a different uh, question oh, in okay. mind. Cool. Uh, so, atheism is the rejection of a God claim. Yes. So we come back to the question: What is the basis of that rejection? Because here's the thing: I have dealt with atheists for years now, and, and uh, recently now, over the last ten years or so, atheists want to try and avoid. The idea that they're making some sort of claim that they that has to be defended, right? So your belief, your belief behind the claim that there is no evidence for God is a system of beliefs that produce the rejection of the God claim. It is that system of beliefs that has to be defended by the atheist, the same as God belief having to be defended by the Christian. So if the atheist thinks they can get away with just saying we don't have to defend our claim because it really isn't a claim, uh, it's just a rejection of God belief, they're going to have to try a little harder than that because every worldview, and atheism definitely is would fit the category of a very broad worldview, has claims and beliefs behind it that have to be defended. And this is where I was going with the idea of good reason, having a good reason, having some sort of, of, of reason for why you believe the things you believe. And it is those beliefs, your belief that, that the proposition God exists is false, is a belief that is based on a claim that itself has to be defended. And that belief will have to be defended in a way that it is consistent with or co- coheres with your basic beliefs about what this thing is we call reality. Coherence is absolutely extremely important. And that's where I'm going with my questions around justification, evidence, object verification, things of this nature. Those beliefs rest on presuppositions about reality, your beliefs about what this world is, and it's those beliefs that you're going to have to defend, and that's what presuppositionalism is really getting at. Can I ask <coughs> Yeah, go ahead. a question? Ed, do you believe that I have an invisible pink unicorn that lives in my, in my garden? I do not. Why not? I don't have any reason to believe that. I don't have a good reason to believe that there's a pink uniform unicorn in your garden. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't have a yeah. good reason to believe that there's a God in the sky. Well, see, the difference is this is not – that's not the end of the story, guys. Oh, no. Right. And, and in fact, actually, before you, before you go into another uh, long diatribe, I'll, uh, I'll, meet, I'll meet you halfway, and I will meet my burden of proof. 
Okay, and it, it's funny because I had a uh, I had a discussion with a guy named Steve McRae, who's uh, who's big into philosophy. He has the um, the Great Debate Community on Facebook, and he's also co-host of the Non Sequitur Show, and, on YouTube. And we, we've had some chats, and he he put out uh, he put out a paper, basically saying the atheist's burden of proof. And when I first looked at it, I said, I said, Steve, you're out of your mind. I, I reject a person's claim. I don't have a burden of proof. And then I had a discussion with Steve, and I changed my mind. And I, I accepted the fact that as an, as an atheist, as someone who rejects a claim, that also does burden me with the... Oh, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. It, it, it places a burden on me to justify why... I reject those claims, and I'll tell you why. I reject the claim that a God exists because, one, I have no good reason to think that a God does exist. Two, because all of the things that have been written about these gods are only written about in their holy books. There's no external contemporaneous uh, evidence to support any of the stories from any holy books. Um, Three, it is evidently true... um, through multiple lines of evidence. Uh, science, uh, the, the methodology of science, which is the only way we can really accurately determine the truth of anything within the world, at least to... It's the, the most reliable yeah, way we have today. Yeah, it's the most reliable way we have today. We have the, the absolute undeniable fact of biological evolution, and we could talk about that more if you want later. Um, we have, uh, we have uh, astronomy, geology... Um, genetics and uh, phylogenetics we have there are so many lines of evidence that come together to to prove beyond any reasonable doubt a few things one we live on an old earth that resides in a fairly old universe and that to the best of our knowledge based on the available evidence everything that we see all of the life forms that we see on our planet have come about as the result of evolution as it as it explained by Charles Darwin and then expanded upon later on through other scientists as we learned more, and that there are no supernatural effects that can be, one, measured, or two, justified in any way, shape, or form. And those that have been tried to be measured have not been able to be verified. Yeah. No supernatural claim has ever been able to meet any kind of burden of proof. Go ahead. What kind of burden of proof would a supernatural claim have to meet? I mean, what would what would that look like if let's let's just take the resurrection? Yeah, we know that didn't happen. Okay. So, what exactly would 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 it take for you to say, "All right, I I believe the resurrection. You you've met the standard." Well, one 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 thing. One thing that I would like to have is an example of it happening anywhere else. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Why? Because would, that would at least prove that it yeah. can indeed happen. That would be support. So, for example, it, outside of a holy book, do we have any other historical books that talk about a resurrection? So, so why do you keep saying holy book? Why do you keep separating holy book from other books? Um, because there's no claim of a god um, outside of outside of holy books. Like the only way, the only thing we know about, for example, Jesus. Jesus is not written about as a historical figure in any other history book. 
Really? Yeah. Pause, really? And I, I he's please, not. He's not. Please don't go to Josephus. Josephus was not, not a contemporary. He's not referenced in any literature outside of the Bible as a historical figure that pre- that performs supernatural acts. No. Mm-hmm. Do you, you have any? Do you have father? any citations? You ever, heard of, you ever heard of the Church Fathers? Yeah, sure. The Church Fathers, sure. Yeah, that seems like an accurate source. Let's go to the Church Fathers to talk about how they justify what they already believe is true. That seems totally legitimate. Well, you have to have some sort of a basis to rule them out as supporting witnesses. How about, right a, now it just how about like any blind contem- bias? How about any contemporaneous account that isn't a church father? Like, why do you believe the resurrection happened? My belief in the resurrection isn't based on claims outside of the Bible. My belief in the resurrection is based on faith. Oh, okay. Um, this is this is not my this is not my argument, but I'm but it's a good one, so I'm going to use it. Yeah. Is there any claim that you couldn't accept on faith? You're going to need to define your definition of faith because my, I'm quite sure that my definition of faith and your definition of faith are not the same. Well, what's your definition? Yeah, what's your I'm definition 100% of faith? I'm 100 certain. Okay, what's your definition of faith? So we're not well, chasing I, things I, around I in circles. Would, well, yeah. So I would prefer to hear your definition first. Uh, okay, sure. Um, so, so I the way I define faith is, uh, I guess, trust. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it's funny. I have um, outside of I I equate the word faith with trust. For example, I have faith in my wife. Um, but beyond that, uh, I'll quote, and if you want to say, an atheist apologist, a uh, fellow by the name of Matt Dillahunty, where he says, faith is the expu- excuse people give for believing something when they don't have a good reason. Mm. Because yeah. if you have a good reason to believe something, you do not require faith. So, you are actually going to make the first of all. You're, you're to rule out the holy books is um, is simply a, a, a ridiculous uh, move on your part because you you are assuming by you are assuming atheism and you're in, you're assuming scientism in order to rule out. Those holy books. We didn't want to rule out uh, any holy that's, books. That's, you're, you're categorizing. You're placing. You're. It's really an add-on. You're placing them in a category, and then you're dismissing the category. We didn't without want to... <sighs> providing a good argument as to why that category should be dismissed. Yeah, hang on. Uh, and D- this, this, hang on, Dean. Dean, this, go ahead. What were you going to say? I'm just saying we didn't want to rule out any holy books. We're just making the point that Jesus wasn't mentioned in any other writers of the time. Yeah, making doing supernatural things. Like, so why, why are you why are you ruling out Josephus? Because Josephus was not a contemporary of Jesus. He didn't write Antiquities of the Jews until the late nineties of the first century. Uh, he would have been if if he was even born, he would have been nothing more than an infant. Which means anything he heard was nothing more than oral tradition. Which is nothing more yeah. than saying I have an invisible pink unicorn in my garage and I carry that story on for a hundred years. And it well, I, true. I find it absolutely amazing that we would have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter. I don't uh, think James, any of the Beatles wrote the Gospels. Jude, Jude um, being dismissed 
because you want to label them a holy book, and be, and all holy books should be dismissed. Therefore, we're going to dismiss them. That is an illegitimate move on your part, and would never stand up uh, to scrutiny ever, not in a million years. It is purely based on bias on your part. No, we're, we're you're going to have to come up with a better reason than than that. There's no books written at the time of Jesus that are not considered holy books in order to dismiss the writings of the New Testament uh, authors. You have to find something else. We're looking for cooperation. Yeah. And also... Well, um, I think Matthew... The go- we, we know the Gospels. Mark, Mark we know the Gospels were not written at the time that uh, well, uh, that it would happen. Like, we know, we know that the Gospels weren't written then. They can be dated. The earliest Gospel, which is Mark, I believe... Um, is is dated to no earlier than 60 CE 30 years after the accounts there are also drastic differences between the four canonical gospels mm-hmm. and 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 I don't I don't dismiss them I don't dismiss them because I don't like it I don't dismiss it because I love my sin I dismiss it because of the because of the fact that we know they weren't written at the time because we know they were not written by people they aren't. If you actually read the introduction to some of the Gospels, they aren't even claiming to be historical accounts. And we also know that the claims within those accounts did not happen. The supernatural darkness at the time of the resurrection, that, that was such a stupendous event that nobody else wrote about it. People like Tacitus and Pliny, contemporary historians that were alive at the time, did, it was such a fantastic thing, they didn't bother to write it down. The fact mm-hmm. that the temple shroud was apparently torn in half and, uh, and stones were cracked in half by an earthquake, that wasn't reported by anybody else. That's why I dismiss the claims. It's not because I don't like them or because they go against my atheistic worldview. It's because they're not credible. Mm-hmm. And they're not credible because no one else talks about them. Yeah, yeah, sure, cool. Who, like, is, is there any, can you point to any no. contemporaneous external account of something written about in the Bible? Well, you have a PhD all, in, is... you have a PhD in theology. Can you point to anything contemporaneous, not contained in a holy book, that corroborates the story of the holy book? That's why I reject it. And I'm, I'm going to say that your reason for rejecting it is untenable, implausible. We don't have to have cooperation from contemporary accounts at the time of Christ uh, in order to accept it and in order, in order to believe it. That's okay. true. That's true. Because we don't have that and you believe it. Yeah. Yeah. There are lots of people. You can believe things for bad reasons. So I'm not doubting that lots of people believe it, but that's an argumentum ad populum. Lots of people believe it, so it must be true. If lots of people believe that I had a pink unicorn in my garage, that wouldn't make it any doesn't more make true. it true. These are apples and oranges no, that not. you're you're. Yes, they are. <laughs> Explain how you 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 dismiss. Well, first of all, I don't know of anyone who's ever actually had a witness truthfully to the existence of a pink unicorn. Okay. Ever. Okay. And and I can but say the I same read, thing about your God. No, no, no. no what, okay, you can say it all you want. 
but I can trace thousands of years of Jewish and Christian history and prove otherwise. Yeah. Now, can you can you trace any contemporary history outside of Judaism and Christianity? You want to convince me? Need... Do that. Well, if, first of if all, you let's, convince let's, me, I'll have no choice but to believe let's it. Let's talk about this being convinced. Sure. You you are not going to be convinced by by contemporary corroborating evidence. Then why are you talking That's to me? not going to convince you that Jesus Christ is God. That is not going to convince you that Jesus rose from the dead and that he's the son of God who died for the sin of mankind. He's right. He's the, None the, of that will convince you that, wouldn't convince that the Christian God is true, that he actually exists. It wouldn't convince us, but it would go no, a long way you. to making our argument a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. Pardon me? It would go a long way to making our argument a lot harder. If there were other your ar- your argument is a lot harder because of the things we talked about earlier. Your your atheism is internally inconsistent. It's incoherent. It your beliefs, all all of your beliefs for rejecting or your criteria for establishing what would qualify as good belief and bad belief rests on a foundation that doesn't even support it. Okay, can you, you please can't even explain. defend You cannot defend the idea that there is a belief-forming model to which every human being should subscribe to based on what human beings actually are. You can't even defend that. And you're going to sit here and talk about all these requirements that the Bible would have to have or that Jesus would need or that Christianity would need in order to be believed. You can't even defend or provide a coherent explanation for why anybody should pay attention to your claim that beliefs ought to be formed in a certain way. Okay, can you define belief? Uh, belief is the conviction that a proposition is true. That sounds fair, yeah. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, that sounds fair. So, so what... Okay, so here, break it down to the lowest common denominator. Can you point to something outside that would be considered contemporaneous, non-holy book evidence that convinced you that the claims in the book should be believed? Look, I'm going to say this to you. Okay, so let's let's be clear here. At the beginning of the program, yeah. I, I told you that I was a presuppositionalist, and you said you understood what presuppositionalism is. Right. So you right? just accept it prima facie. So facial. if you... If you understand the transcendental argument, if you understand presuppositionalism, then you wouldn't even be asking me this question. You would know that the basis for my belief that Christian theism is true is located in the holy book, not outside it. Oh, no. And that I do not need anything external to the Word of God in order to accept the view that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Okay, Ed, I understand what presuppositionalists believe, and I understand the transcendental argument for the existence of God. I just think they're, we just think that they're, they're silly. Um, so what I was, the reason why we ask these questions is the hope that you can go beyond, well, it is because it is. Cy, Cy Ten Bruggenkate sat here, and he said, he said, well, I know because I know. And in fact, you know too, because in Romans 1 it says, 
you know, you're just suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. And it's like, well, that's, that's a really cool story. That doesn't make it true. And it, it, I guess we need to talk about truth. I, I define truth as that which comports with reality. And if we can't show it to be true in some way, shape, or form, then we shouldn't accept it as truth. And the fact that you presuppose and say, I know, well, it's, and if you can't show it in some way, I don't have any good reason to believe to be convinced that your proposition is true. I don't have any good reason to. And if, when you go back to the, if you just go back to the holy book, then that's just circular reasoning. Well, so here's the problem. I want to come back to what you just said. Sure. You said truth is that which, which comports to reality. Yeah. Right? Reality, first who's, law of logic. Who's, who's reality? The reality. Reality is real. What? The first law of logic. So do, you, that we're all living do you think that there's such a thing as uninterpreted reality? I don't even know what that means. Uninterpreted that means that, reality. Yeah, uninterpreted reality, like brute fact. The, the world would exist if I, if, whether I lived or not, if that's what you're asking. I'm not a solipsist. When, when, when you talk about reality, when you say truth is that which comports with reality, in back of that, you have this construct, this cognitive construct of what reality is. Sure, reality is. Already. First right. law of logic. Pre- Are you denying the first law of logic reality is? You want to talk about logic? I'm just asking, I'm asking you a straightforward no, no. question. Do you deny I, I, that reality I, is? I am a, I'm a firm believer in the laws of logic. Okay. But I'm going to, I am going to deny the fact that reality just is without any kind of uh, interpretation. It's not just out there. You can interpret it and, any way you want. It doesn't, but it, but it doesn't need an interpretation. It just, my, it, whether you, whether okay, you interpret so, it a certain way doesn't change the fact that it is, so, that it so is let, what it is. All right. So fine. Your interpretation of reality is that, I don't know, the universe came to be without a cause. I never uh, said or that. that it's, or that it's eternal, or I don't know what your view of the universe is or of reality is, but it's here. Yeah. My view of reality is that everything that began to exist was created by God, right? To me, when you say reality, when I say reality, that's what I'm talking about. The reality of this universe that was created by a divine being. Okay, now back I worship. up. Now back up that assertion with some evidence, please. Well, see, so here's the other thing. Whatever right? convinced you, you can, how do you convince yeah. us? Can, yeah, well, yeah, that's a, that's the perfect thing to say. Whatever convinced you, tell that to us. Convince us. Okay, you got a couple of minutes. Absolutely. Fucking. We're gonna. Pardon me. Oops, oops, oops. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna start. We're gonna start here then. Yeah. First of all. God, in the beginning, created all things that have come into existence. God sustains all things that have come to exist. God created man in his image to be like him, to glorify him. Man, using his free will, fell into sin through his act of disobedience. This resulted both in spiritual and physical death. It's why we die. Not to mention a host of other problems that are not altogether unrelated to some of the philosophical concerns we're talking about today, such as how do we know what is reality? As a result of this fall, all man, all men, all mankind stand under the curse and the judgment of God. 
the state of affairs that we live in today impacts man's view of reality, how he interprets reality, his understanding of himself, who he is in the world, and his philosophy of even morality, which I hope we can talk about in a little while. The good news is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of man and to redeem man from the curse and condemnation that resulted from sin, because God is a perfectly holy God. Sin must be dealt with. Now, through faith in the name of Jesus Christ, man can be restored to a right relationship with God. The truth inevitably, this truth inevitably uh, impacts your metaphysics, your epistemology, your ethics. And the key term in all of this discussion is faith. And when you define faith as trust, you are very close to how I would define faith. But it is the kind of trust in God that takes God at his word, the same way you take your wife at her word, even though she could be lying to you. You trust her. Mm -hmm. So in Christianity, when we say that we have faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, that faith is not just a blind leap in the dark. It's not something I conjure up in me. It's not something that I just, as an act of volition, willingly decide to do. Christians don't become Christians like Muslims become Muslims. Christians are made. It's something that happens to us, not something we do. That is biblical Christianity. It isn't, I'm going to investigate the truth claims of Scripture. I'm going to try to find some sort of corroborating evidence that Jesus rose from the dead, that he was the Son of God. I want to find somebody else who made these claims, right? And, and not only that, it isn't that there is, that no one else actually spoke about the existence of Jesus Christ uh, or that no one referenced him in the literature. They had to to make specific references to him. They couldn't have alluded to him because those things do exist in the historians. Uh, They had to actually be happening at the time of Christ. This is your claim. Not only that, the Gospels and the writings of the New Testament are dismissed because they weren't written when Jesus was living, which logically speaking, in my mind, uh, is a non-starter. I mean, that's absolutely absurd to say that, well, you know, you can't take Matthew's word for it because he wrote 30 or 40 or 50 years after the fact. That's a non-starter. That isn't a good reason to reject the claims of Scripture. There are all kinds of good reasons for why we should. Now, let's talk about Hang on, Something t- t- time, out, time out for just one second. Because mm-hmm. at the Go start ahead. at the start of this, I asked you know, we asked you to tell us what convinced you. Okay? Mm, that's what convinced me. Okay. So so if if I'm understanding you're right, because the first thing you said was is said is I'm convinced because God is, because God made the universe, because God did all these things. It is I don't want to take put words in your mouth, but that is what you said, correct? Okay, what is your justification for believing that this God is? It would be called the the internal instigation of God the Holy Spirit who opened my eyes to the truth of the gospel. You see, when I said that the fall of man actually creates epistemic issues for humanity, problems in the area of knowing God accurately, rightly, 
That's what I meant. And this is restored through the work of the Holy Spirit on the human heart as the Holy Spirit imparts faith and Christians through the gift of faith, this ability now to trust God, whereas before they didn't trust God, they can now trust God. But this is the work of God himself. So the justification, my justification, my warrant for this belief now is that the Holy Spirit has opened my eyes to the truth of the gospel and who Christ is. And unless that happens, I can sit here and talk to you guys until we're blue in the face, and I'm not going to convince you that Jesus Christ is God, that he rose from the dead. But I am, but I can, at a minimum, say that Christian belief is warranted. That okay, much so, I can okay, do. So, okay, so Dean, you had something to say? I'm just saying that Ed has had an experience that we have not had. He's sure. a believer because he has experienced the opening of his eyes by, true. by Jesus yeah. or God or whatever it is. Um, but because he has had that experience, there is no reason why anybody who hasn't had that experience should believe what he says is true. Yeah. So, so we go, so we go back into a second ago to what can you, what can you tell us to convince us? Because, because your, your anecdotal account is no different than any other faith traditions adherence oh, anec- anecdotal account. No, that's exact. That is absolutely not the case. Why is you your claim? Me, I, what makes your claim me, different? Okay. Find me another religion where the, where there is the internal instigation of the Holy Spirit. Find me another religion where there is an absolute ontological triune God who sent his son to die for the sins of the world, who then sent the Holy Spirit to place faith in those whom he call, he's called to himself. There isn't another religion like Christianity out um, there anywhere to be found. None. Do Not you, even close. Do you consider Jehovah's Witnesses to be Christians? No. I because they believe all the same things you just said. Do you understand anything about the Jehovah's Witnesses? I if studied you did, with them. You would I studied with them for four years. Attended their conventions. Yeah. When, I am. I am very familiar with the faith traditions of Jehovah's Witnesses. When, I, when did they come? Well, they don't have a Trinity, right? What's that? They do not have a Trinity. Uh, yeah, they positively believe in the Holy Spirit. They just believe it's one person, not three. Yeah, well, then they don't believe in the Holy Spirit then because traditional Orthodox Christianity believes in the, that the Holy Spirit is a person, and the Jehovah's Witnesses do not. So they reject the Trinity. They also reject the existence of the Son as a person. Mm, right? No, they don't. Well, okay, no, anyway, anyway we're, getting, we're, getting way, we're getting way off track here. So, okay, so at the, at the beginning of this question, um, I asked you, you know, what convinced you? And, and it seems as though... That you are, again, so you had this experience that still doesn't give anybody else a good reason to accept it as true. And, and if, you, if, you, if all you're going to do is reference back to the Bible, because the Bible is so unreliable in so many ways, I don't have any reason to think anything in the Bible is true. Like, we know there was never a flood. We know... We, we, with, with, with as close to certainty as we can get, we know that so, there were never two million Jews who were slaves in Egypt. There's no, right. there's no parts of any chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea that, that would have been there. Uh, there's, there's just none of it. There's no, no graves along a migratory path leading, you know, leading, uh, you know, the story of Exodus. We just, we know these things didn't happen. You, you do 
not know these things did not happen. Yeah, so let's back up, right? You keep stacking this up as if it's like making some really incredibly compelling argument, and that's what it's going to sound like to the Do you the have any evidence that the flood actually happened outside of the Bible? Because I have a lot of evidence outside of the Bible that the flood didn't happen. What you have, what you have... Are you going to tell me what I have is, before, you, before you've heard what I have? <laughs> No, I'm not. So, so let's let's back up and 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 you, you were about do, to tell me I have something. I am gonna I am gonna finish that thought, but I'm not thrilled with the direction that you've taken this discussion. Okay, right? I came on here to talk about presuppositional apologetics. You have thrown out fifteen to twenty different subjects that I did not come here prepared to talk about. Okay, scrap it all. Let's go back. Uh, to we your, could your have. Point. We, we could have. I mean, if you wanted me to come on and talk about um, external corroborating evidence for the reliability of the New Testament, I would have prepared for that. Oh, okay. I am completely not prepared for that. I'm not prepared to talk about uh, biological evolution and the different claims uh, of evolutionary theory and all the different back and forth that we could get into on that. I did not prepare for that. I prepared to talk about, I prepared to have a philosophical discussion because that's really what presuppositional apologetics focuses uh, on. Right. And we're not, we're not talking about that. So okay, all the, okay. those lines of scrap it all. Let's so go back to what yeah, you have. Yeah, I'll, scrap I'll, it all. I'll, I'll go back to it. Keep my promise. And sure. so what you have here is uh, an argument from, Silence from lack of evidence. The fact that there that there are no chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea does not prove, and you know this, does not prove that the Exodus never happened. Not all the by fact itself. that we You're don't right. have evidence for the, the the wilderness wanderings is not proof that they did not happen. In fact, uh, if you follow some work that's going on right now, these things are beginning to turn the corner. I mean, there were there have been times when what they say Moses could not have written the Pentateuch because writing didn't exist at the time. This was one of the claims years ago until we found out writing actually did exist at the time. Right. So we hear this stuff. Uh, this didn't. There's no evidence here. There's no evidence here. So it couldn't have happened. And then all of a sudden, some archaeologist somewhere find something and all of a sudden it's like oh okay so but then does that convince I'd like a anybody? citation for that does that convince anybody and uh, you know the answer is no like the city of Jerusalem didn't exist until you know later it didn't exist way back in the day when the claims are that it that it did exist until until we find you know a column with the entire city's name on it dated hundreds of years prior to what the liberals they could have been the case. Now all of a sudden, we got to back up our story. Funny thing is, I'd like a citation the liberals. For that too. Well, see, I didn't. I would have all kinds of citations for you if I had come on the program and had prepared for that. But well, as you, you know, hey, you can always you can always respond with a tweet. <laughs> you can always respond with a citation and a tweet. But no, no, it's I fair. And, and I think what you know, all of those things. When you talk about each of those things individually. If you look at those, if you look at each of those pieces individually, then you then your argument from silence might hold water, but it's the, it's all of these things compounded, and it's not just Exodus, like it's not just that, because these are all claims made within the book. It's all of it's the it's the mountain of claims which are either as a as a fellow uh, atheist uh, and who's been on our podcast, Aaron Ra would say, it is either not evidently true or evidently not true. And it's, it's, it's the compounding of all of these things that makes the story 
unreliable. I don't, well, I don't believe anything the Bible says because the Bible is not reliable. Yeah, so it, the move that you're making here philosophically is that you're throwing out the evidence that we do have, the Bible, and saying we don't have any evidence. Right, if, and that's an illegitimate move. If the Bible is evidence that God exists, then the Quran is evidence that Allah is true. The Bhagavad Gita is evidence that Vishnu is true, and we could just go back and on and on and on. And all the all the writings from Egyptian people are, are true are are proof that Ra and Osiris are, are real. And by the way, comic books are tr- are are evidence that those superheroes are also true. Just because somebody wrote it down doesn't mean it happened. Uh, yep, that's that's true. And I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with that. But I am going to tell you. I am going to argue that just because you don't have corroborating evidence outside of the Bible, and that the Bible is the only evidence that we have for it, that does not make the Bible unreliable. No, no, <laughs> no. It's, no, it's not. Okay, so let's, let's back it up. Let's back it up. Yeah. All sure, right. I'm, I'm, I want your audience to hear what you're doing. Sure. I saw an event. I wrote it down. I was the only one that saw the event that wrote it down. I'm the only one who actually documented it. So because no one else documented it, I am ipso facto unreliable. And anybody with half a brain knows that's a terrible argument. Sure. That won't hold water. And uh, it, absolutely, it absolutely will not. But let's, let's hold that for just one second, okay? Because so let's, I'll, I'll use your own argument against you. When Jesus was apparently, and I'm not even convinced he was a historical figure, but it doesn't matter. For the sake of this argument, we'll say he was a real dude. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was supposed to be alone. Who wrote that account down? When he was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Wait. he was supposed you, to be he was supposedly alone, mm-hmm. yeah. but somebody wrote that down. So somebody told somebody about something that happened. So Maybe. that's not and and it goes it goes way beyond that. That's just one teeny example. In, uh, in in the I forget which which gospel it's in, but it talks about at the time of the resurrection, all of the the, the graves well, open and the saints you, walked around and saw people, and yet nobody you, outside of the Bible wrote about this. We talked about this before, Ed. Mm-hmm. The supernatural darkness, the temple shroud being ripped in two, yep. all of these yep. things. These were not just these would not have been witnessed by one guy. They would not have been witnessed right. by one guy. I, so no, your it, argument it, doesn't I, hold water. I, 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 no, I understand that, but it's not my argument that doesn't hold water. I have evidence that these things happened. You're throwing it Outside out and saying, uh, yeah, uh, no, and you're saying, I don't need evidence outside the Bible, right? You keep saying, I have to have evidence outside the Bible, but you have not offered any kind of compelling argument for why that is the case. Is the Bible true I because the need... Bible says the Bible is true? Pardon me? Is the Bible true because the Bible says the Bible is true. No. The Bible is true because the Bible is the Word of God. And, That's and, why and the where, Bible and is, where do you find, it is God speaking. Where right? do you find Let me ask you a question. that it says that? No, hang on. I just want to is finish the, this one point. Where do you well, find... I, understand, I know what you're doing. Well, uh, then please answer the question. At least be... Come on. I, I've answered every one of your questions as honestly as possible. Where do you read that the, that the Bible is the Word of God? Where else could I find this truth? Please just say if the Bible. No, I want. I'm going to give you an answer that's consistent you're, with you're, Christianity. You're not answering the question. You're trying I'm to avoid. Hang on. You're no, trying to avoid saying answer. the Bible says the Bible is true. My, the Bible does say the Bible is true. That, my friend, that's is circular why, reasoning. But, okay, 
And it's, it's nothing more than that. Yeah, and you use the laws of logic to demonstrate that the laws of logic are valid, true, right? And you use human reason to prove that human reason is the way to get at truth, right? Do okay? we have okay so let's with not those talk two about points? Circular reason with those two everybody points, does it. We have no other way of the only way That's we right. can the only way we can talk about the laws of logic are by using the laws of logic. That is not so, that would not necessarily be true of the Bible if we had some external answer, corroborating uh, evidence, which we do not my have. Answers, my answers to you are not based on classical apologetics, and that's what you keep looking for. They're not based on classical apologetics. No, you're presupposing. They're based you're begging on, the question. They're based you're on the transcendental. The they're, they're based on the transcendental argument. If, you're starting if it is the case, with the proposition that it's already true. Let me ask you this that's question. That's dishonest. It, no, it isn't dishonest. It's if not dishonest God, to assume that you're true before you've even started the, ah. the Okay. Butter is made butter is made out of mustard. I presuppose this Let's, is true. Well, you know, yeah. apples and oranges. Category errors. Sorry, I feel like Dean's being fallacies. probably left out of this no, conversation. No, it's, it's, it I'm takes coming me a lot back longer to, to my thoughts than it does you. So, okay. Why the Bible is true. Why is the Bible true? We asked I you that before, and you just gave us a Coles notes of the Bible. Yeah. Why, I said the Bible is, why is the Bible true? The Bible is true because the Bible is God speaking. Now, before you go nuts. I'm not I'm, doing anything, Ed. It's, it's just, it's just a fallacy. You, you went nuts a minute ago. I want, to, I want to explain this in a way that is consistent with See, this is what I try to do. I try to make sure that my claims are consistent with the basic beliefs of Christian theism, right? You guys still haven't provided grounds for evidence, justification, uh, a belief-forming process. You just want to assume it. Oh, no, I would say, so, I would actually so, argue that we have. You, you, have rejected, you have rejected our basis in the same way you're saying we reject yours. The problem no, is gonna... we can demonstrate why we believe the things we believe. You cannot demonstrate why you believe the things you believe. You simply assert it as fact, which is a fallacy, you beg the question, and then you say, it simply is because it is. Now let's move on, and I'll tell you why you should accept it, because I said so. No, I, I'm not doing any of those things. I'm not begging the question, and, and I'm, not being, I'm certainly not being dishonest. I want to come why back to— Why is the Bible I wanna, true? Yeah, I want to come back to your reason here in a second, but I want you to imagine for a moment, pretend with me that Christianity is true. I can pretend. Just I used to be Christian. Pretend. I can pretend that. Pretend that the Bible. Pretend that the Bible is God speaking. Sure. Okay. Right. Now, God being who God is, the sovereign Creator of all the universe. Would you ever question Him? <laughs> to what could you appeal if God told you something? What exactly would you look for, or would you even look? To say, okay, wait a minute, God. I know that you are perfectly holy. I know that you are truth. I know that you created me and that I'm like an ant and that you are infinite and all-powerful and all-loving and all-knowing. But I am sorry, but I am going to have to scrutinize what you say. 
and determine whether or not you're telling me the truth or you're lying to me. Would you do that? I would, would have to ever, ask. Him, I mean, assuming Christianity is true, would you ever do that? Assuming, and if your answer is yeah. yes, I'm going to say that if, if you assume you don't believe Christianity things. is true. Well, I don't believe Christianity is true, but 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 if if I'm stepping inside your worldview for a second, if if I did make all of those tremendous leaps that you just asked me to make, then if if I believed essentially if I believed as you do, no, I wouldn't question it. But when I step back outside of your worldview, I have to say what is your justification? If I make the presupposition that what you said is true, of course I don't argue that point. Of course I don't. But I have to make these tremendous leaps. And that's where we get that's where we're getting stuck, is that I'm simply asking you for the justification of those giant leaps. And that's why I keep asking you, why is the Bible true? Why do you believe so, these things? So, so you, you, you use the word justification again, yeah, right? And I said that for the Christian, Christian belief is justified, right? And you guys admitted, I've had an experience you haven't had. Sure. All Christians have had an experience you haven't had. All true Christians have had that experience oh, for them. Christian. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm Christian. gonna call you I'm gonna call you on that again because that's a fallacy. So what you're that's a no true Scotsman. So if it's if not they've no true Scotsman, if they've had if not. they've had the experience, they're a Christian. If not, they're not a real Christian. That's what you just said. That's what Christianity teaches, but that's not the no true no true Scotsman fallacy. The no true Scotsman fallacy is redefining and moving the goalposts. All right, no, it's, it it's is the case on, okay. that there are true Christians. And that there are false Christians. That is ontologically the fact. That's the case. And we can tell those who are true Christians from those who are not true Christians. So if your use How of do you the do ontological that? or of the no true Scotsman fallacy were actually legitimate and an, and an appropriate use of that logical fallacy, then there would be no such thing as, as, as a false Christian. They wouldn't exist. Right? How, how, they, do you they determine, wouldn't exist. how do you determine a true Christian? from a false Christian. Well, first John chapter three says that it is obvious those who know Christ and those who do not know Christ, those who keep his commandments are and do righteousness know him. And those who do not follow his word do not know him. So if you are keeping his word, you know him. If you are not keeping his word, you do not know him. And Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7, in the last day, many people are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful names, things in your name, and I will profess to them that I never knew you. And it was because they heard the word of God and they did not do it, right? So your use of the no true Scotsman fallacy, and I knew you were going to use this, uh, by the way, uh, is not an appropriate use under these circumstances. I did not commit that fallacy. Okay, well, let the... I want to come back to... Okay, we'll let the audience claim. decide. Yeah, go back. Yeah. I'm sure the audience can decide. I want to come back to your claim that you have provided for... Um, your, your claim that beliefs should be accompanied by evidence. You said that you have connected your basic presuppositions 
with that belief and that they cohere. And I, I'm sorry if you did that and I didn't hear it, but I didn't hear it. Do you think I that people should that. have a good reason to believe the things they believe? What I think is based on that seems like a pretty simple my, yes or no. Well, I, and I'm going to answer the no. I'm, I'm not going to answer the question that way. What I think is based on Christian theism, and so Christians do believe that you should have a good reason for your beliefs that is consistent with Christianity. So my belief that beliefs should be justified coheres with my basic belief that God is a rational being and that he created human beings to be rational. Your belief, however, that we should have evidence does not seem to cohere with the idea that we're just molecules in motion floating through space and you didn't our, go we are just our brain. Motion, did you? No. I did. Come on. I understand. Yeah. Well, hey, that's it's, it, that's, yeah. it's your problem to solve, not mine. Well, no, no, that's that, that's a that's right out of Frank Turek's book. Um, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, but um, it's, it's he actually yeah. got it from Greg Bonson. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. I don't have any problem with molecules in motion. What's, yeah. that's I, mean, I mean, we are literally molecules that move around, yeah. but we are we are much we are much more than the sum of our parts. Are we though? I, I think we are. How? <laughs> I think we are when it comes to I think we are when it comes to how. Uh, we we live our lives and how it branches into morality and, and things like that. I think we are just. I think we are more than. Uh, I think we are more than that. But I would love I, it's, to it's, hear it's, a rational is, demonstration of why that coheres with your basic beliefs about what human beings actually are. Okay, well, if we go back to what I believe human beings are, human beings are animals. Okay. Period. End of sentence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't have any good reason to think um, that I was. We are imbued yeah. with anything else. Yeah, that we are. Yeah, Can exactly. we eat them? Can, Can we eat them? Can we eat them? Is it okay to eat them? Eat animals? Eat animals? Yeah. Animals yeah. eat other animals all the time. So yeah. I can eat humans. No, because you you Why run not? the well you because totally, you, you totally could. There are people yeah, in the could, world that eat other humans, but they run in, they, but they run into a few risks. So there's there's this there's this horrible disease called pakuru. Um, which you get apparently only from eating other, like, human flesh. But there's nothing that says you can't eat another another human. There are diseases you can get from eating other animals, too, but sure I'm asking yeah. a moral question Trichinosis here. Like, from you know, I, I, can, I can eat a cow. Yeah. Why can't I eat a human? Based, based on my morals, no, I wouldn't eat another human. Because it would mean um, you have to kill that person. Why yeah. not? Well, because we're, we're, what is the rational basis for your morals? Okay, so hang on. I just want to. I just want to hang on. I just want to push the pause button for just one second, because we're shifting mm-hmm. into morality, which doesn't have to do with the with the presuppositionist worldview. So are you okay? Oh, with, are you okay with the with the with the shift we're doing now? Because yeah, I love talking about argu- I love talking about morality, especially the, when the, we bring the, up the Bible. The transcendental um, argument uh, uh, basically uh, starts with any uncontroversial human experience whatsoever, and argues that the necessary precondition for the intelligibility of that experience is God. Okay. And apart from God, prove you it. can't make sense out of it. Prove that statement. Well, prove, let's talk prove, about morality. Prove it. That's what we're about to do. You have to we're, explain we're, morality. We're, we're to, yeah. So okay. let me ask you a question about knowledge. Okay, how do you yeah. – okay, actually, hang on. I like the morality thing. Okay, go. Could you please define morality for me? Morality is, <clears throat> is the um, – is behavior that is uh, comports with and is reflective of the nature of, of God. That's true. So behavior, behavior that comports with God's divine nature would be considered 
moral. That is a truly frightening statement. Well, why would that be frightening? Well, you've read the Bible? Oh, yes. Yeah, because because in... uh, in one se- in, in out of one side of his uh, mouth, he'll say, you know, thou shalt do no murder. And then out of the other side of his mouth, like in 1 Samuel 15, he, he commands uh, the slaughter of the Amalekites. Men, that's women, children, babies, all that yeah. other stuff. So, yeah, that's not murder. That's yeah. not murder? That's not the not taking murder. of another life? No, okay, so you're going to call it, you're going to call it righteous in some way, and you're going to apologize no, your way I'm, around I'm that. No, I'm going to, no, I'm going to say that, that the, uh, that murder is the uh, unlawful taking of human life. Oh, okay. That's what murder is by definition. So what did the, what did the, the infants, unlawful taking of human life. What did the life? infants in Amalek do? What were they so guilty of? They were little sinners. The, the, the infants? Of course, the all human infants. beings are born. All human beings are born sinful, right? And, and if God issues the command, God has a moral right to take whatever human life He wants. That human belongs to Him. But He doesn't do that. Yeah, but He, he tells do us. He to tells do other it. people to do it. Well, that's right. He doesn't want to get his yeah. hands. And dirty. that's perfectly that's perfectly good, perfectly right, perfectly moral. That's a that's that's frightening. Um, well, you're going to have to justify why your moral judgment of that behavior is frightening. Okay, so so when so when we branch into morality, we have to depart from uh, atheism because atheism doesn't say anything about morality. Um, so you're going to give up your worldview in order to no 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 have no no. A moral no, no. What I'm saying is 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 that okay? Atheism is a you, single claim. Yeah, it was a single rejection a, yeah. of a claim. That's all it says. Yeah. Morality, my morality is not is not tied in any way, shape, or form to my lack of a belief in a God. In no way, shape, or form. In no way, shape, or form. Let's go. Okay. Let's keep going. This is this is my strongest area, so I'm very comfortable with it. Okie dokie. Um, it looks like we've got looks like Dean's got about ten minutes on the clock uh, before he's going to have to leave to get back to work. But uh, but this okay. is something we, we'll go as far as we go, and then we will we happily gotta, we got to come back and yeah. do morality. We'll happily pick this that's up. That's not a ten minute conversation. Um, oh, but, I'll come back on for another conversation. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, do you want to push the pause button on morality then? No. Let's keep going. Okay. I okay. Hear so this. so. I am, in addition to being an atheist, meaning that I don't accept the, the claim that a God exists, I am a secular humanist. So secular being the, the uh, not being someone who's religious, right? Do you understand the difference between religious and secular? And mm-hmm. I'm a humanist. As a humanist, I seek to do the least amount of harm that is reasonable and possible. Now, before you go to vaccinating babies... Um, I will say that vaccinating a child, even though it may do that child a little bit of harm with a with a, a needle prick, is the least amount of harm in a situation I can do to that child to ensure that the child's not relying on herd immunity to keep them safe from infectious diseases. So when I talk about harm reduction, I'm talking about doing the least amount of harm reasonable and possible. And I understand that that is tied to something else called consequential ethics. And I understand that my actions have consequences. So in the same vein of harm reduction, when I do something, I know that whatever I may do, whether I, if I find a wallet and I return it to its owner without taking all the cash out of it, um, you know, that has a consequence 
you know, as opposed to if I find the wallet, take the money out and toss it in a mailbox, because I know, well, if there's a license in there, you know, it'll get delivered back to the owner. I know that there are consequences for both of those things. So right. I understand that my, my actions will have, will have reactions, either positive or negative. And I, and I view those, I put those, it's, it's, it's not an, it's not an uncomplicated cocktail, but it's putting those things together that, that guide my decisions in life and pretty much everything that I do. I just want to read this quick quote from Matt Dillahunty because I thought it was excellent when it was said on the show. He, um, somebody asked him, where do you get your limits? He said, I get my limits from a rational consideration, consideration of the consequences of my actions. That's how I determine what's moral. I get it from a foundation that says my actions have an effect on, sorry, has a, have an effect on those uh, people around me and theirs have an effect on me. And if I were going to live cooperatively and share space, we have to recognize that impact. And my freedom to swing my arm ends at their nose. And that I have no right to impose my will over somebody else's will in that type of scenario. That's where I get them from. I get them from an understanding of reality, not an assertion of authority. I think that's, I think that ties up both Dean and my my stance on morality. So should other people adopt your morality? Uh, morality? Over divine command theory? Certainly, yeah, because divine command theory is vile. Well, I don't believe in divine command theory. Yeah, and because... If you think, and, that's, if you think that's what I define, then you, oh, no, you no. have a bad definition of divine. No, I think that I, there, are, there are certainly those who do use divine command theory. For example, another... I, uh, I, and I'm not trying to tie you in everybody, but there are Christians who identify as Christians, who do. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But... Um, uh, I'm not saying that they're not Christians if they do. I just sort of have a bad argument they need to work so on. So then, it. okay, so then other than because I said so, mm. what might, yep. how do you determine morality? What do you mean because I said so? It's it might, isn't because it's, I said so. It's might is right. It is what no, it, no, you know, it isn't. It is because God says so. It is because of God's nature. It is God's nature. See, God's actions, what God does, is reflective of God's perfectly good nature. There is no greater good than the nature of God Himself. So, whatever God does is perfectly good. So, that's different from from me saying that it's arbitrary, right? This is, uh, you know, we could, we could go down the, was it, Euthyphro Dilemma, uh, and I could smack that into, into, into oblivion as well. The, but we're not finished with you. Sure. I'm asking you, you've got, you've arrived at this moral position. You still haven't provided a rational basis for that moral decision that doesn't reduce to arbitrariness. I'm looking for an anchor. I'm looking for grounding. I'm looking for reasons why other people should embrace your view of morality, your perspective on what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. I think everybody wants I mean, to should I be just harm. as considerate to, to the ants in my driveway as I am to human beings living across the street? Why not? Listen, I, I, I fully accept that 
um, you know, you, you start to bring that up, you know, before, you know, well, you know, if humans are just animals, why can't I eat a human because it's an animal? And, you know, why might I, if we went down the slavery path, you'd ask me why I have a dog or why I own other animals or something like that, if owning animals is wrong. And, and there is, there is no escaping the fact that what I say could be viewed as speciest, right? From a, from a homo sapien perspective. And, and I don't have, I'm the first one to admit that at least I, I don't know, Dean, whether, what you, I don't have a good reason for saying, no, you don't have to treat ants with less respect than you do, you know, a, a human or, or whatever, whatever animal you want to bring into the, the conversation. And I understand that that's something that's, that's, that's a problem. It's a problem for me. It's a problem with, I struggle. I, I struggle with that problem all the time. You just insert a terminus and say, well, whatever God says is okay is okay because it's his nature. Period, end of sentence. And by that nature, you can justify, I could never within my worldview justify the slaughter of innocence like you could with your worldview. Well, no, I I don't believe God slaughters innocent people. Only sinners. You see, this is not the introduction of a gap. This isn't a rescuing device. This is me looking at the Bible, studying it in ancient Hebrew and Koine Greek, and asking, answering the question, what kind of God exists? Well, this is what the Bible says about him. And as a result of what the Bible says about him, I can say that God never takes an innocent life. God never murders. But it is wrong for me to take an innocent life. Right? If you put someone on death row and you take their life, I mean, at the end of the day, think of this for the Christian. We believe God's sovereign. I'm a Calvinist. Babies die every day of disease. More babies die today of disease than ever was slaughtered in the Old Testament. I mean, think about that. And God is sovereign, and he could stop it. He could stop it. Yeah, that makes him pretty immoral in my book. Stop it. Well, yeah, but you've already admitted you can't explain morality, so I'm not too worried about that. No, I explain—no, don't try to hang that on me. I explain morality— I just, but I admitted, I admitted to the fact, I admitted to the fact that I have a problem with it is something that I struggle with. That is not the inability to explain morality. Well, and that's a very dishonest thing for a Christian to try to assert that I said. I I apologize. I will say it this way then. Let me say it better. Maybe I said it poorly. Uh, What you've admitted to is that you don't have a good grounding for your moral beliefs. No, I didn't say that either. Well, I I grounded it in consequential ethics and harm reduction. You don't Which think that's good enough, but that doesn't mean it's not a good grounding. All you say is because it God. It sounds to me like you don't think it's good enough either. No, that I, I, it's it's all I have to work with, and like I said, I, there is that piece that I struggle with, and I'm always striving to do better, and I'm always striving to to make sure that my that the consequential ethics that I do the least amount of harm in everything that I do. You, but but Why all, does that but all you do is say because God. Why, well, why does that matter? Well, because God, because it happens to be true. But so, why does that matter? Well, that, that'd be cool if you could demonstrate the least amount that it's of harm. Because you, you've still never demonstrated. Well, this is one of this is one of the demonstrations why it is true, right? You keep throwing out all the evidence, right? Every time a Christian uh, comes on an atheist program and provides all the evidence, you you throw it out one by one by one. Logic, knowledge, morality, predication the documents of Scripture, and uh, you just find one reason after another to throw it all away, and then you say they don't have any evidence. Well, actually, I, mean, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't thrown out, <laughs> for example, I haven't thrown out your evidence for morality. 
I think it's I think it's in I think it is vastly inferior to the that of the secular humanist. Not not but not only do you throw out all the evidence we have. I just told you, you I didn't throw out the evidence. And you're telling me I throw it out. When you are challenged, fine. When you are challenged to provide a rational grounding and basis for your concept of why evidence is even necessary in the first place, crickets. You have nothing. You provide no evidence for why one brain can, could actually, how a brain could actually find the right model for belief formation, how that works, how you go about it, uh, and, and why, it would, why such an idea would even make sense in a universe such as the one you say exists. Well, we actually didn't go down the route of belief formation. We kind of sidestepped that entirely, actually. Um, well, I, that's where I started. That's, that's where I started, and, and I never, ever heard any kind of a defense for how one could actually, how you could actually gain true knowledge without there being some knowledge in place to begin with, how knowledge could arise from nothing, how, lo- how the laws of logic could actually come to exist when they're necessary truths, which makes them true in all possible worlds, yet they're, they're supposedly the convention of a human mind, which is contingent. Right? We never even got into those conversations, which is all that, that, those kind of conversations, which is really what presuppositional apologetics is about to begin with. Instead, we ran down this rabbit hole of not having external corroborating evidence, something I was, wasn't even prepared to talk about. Uh, but in the future, um, I am certainly, if you, wanna, if you want to, to set a topic on corroborating evidence for the documents of Scripture or the reliability of the Old Testament, the reliability of the New Testament, any of those conversations, whether or not the Exodus happened, uh, strengths and weaknesses of arguments for it and against it, I can come on and talk about any of those things, but I need to prepare. As you, as you might imagine, uh, there is a, an encyclopedia a mile long containing this kind of information. And, you know, I'm a working stiff, man. I'm not a professor at a seminary. I'm not a pastor. Uh, I have a full-time job that 40, 50 hours a week, I'm worried about training financial services guys on how to do the right thing with, with clients. And then the rest of the time I can devote to stuff like this. You're, well, then likewise, you're just talking to a couple of stiffs who do vastly different things. You know, I, I don't, you know, I mean, Dean, you know, Dean talks about, you know, kind of what he does. I very specifically do not discuss what I do out in the real world uh, because I like the degree of anonymity that, uh, um, that not discussing my work gives me uh, because uh, there are still, there could still be issues from that and, and I would never want my employer to be shackled with the, you know, oh my God, you know, that's the kind of person who works for you, something like that, because there's still a predominant system of beliefs in Canada. But beyond that, you're just talking to a couple of working guys too. So, but okay, that takes us to, yeah, that takes us to an hour and 35 minutes. So, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the first thing I want to do, the first thing we should do is thank you for coming on. Um, it, uh, it, it, it is always, um, intellectually stimulating, to talk to someone who has a differing point of view. Yeah, somebody on the other side of the fence. You always want, yeah. you want to, the more you know, the more you, the more people talk to you, the more you know. Yeah, we spend a lot of time, you know, covering, you know, news topics and things like that. But, uh, you know, we don't, I sometimes think we don't often enough 
um, have people on have people on with differing differing worldviews. And you have, I think, I I think I can speak for both of us when I say you have an open invitation. Um, we, you know, for we sure. will we will you know slot you back in, and and we can go at topics one at a time. You certainly. Uh, from uh, from an educational perspective, have a leg up on on both of us when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to theology. I'll say that. Um, but, I don't have a PhD in anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I can't say anything without saying something dirty, so I just won't say it. Um, but but yeah. So we you know but uh, you know we will certainly do this again. I I had buckets of fun. Yeah. This was uh, this was entertaining, and I know that I, I can tell you one thing um, from a uh, from a consumption perspective. The episodes where we have um, Christians and believers on get get more get more attention than anything else. I can tell you that. So you will Real. you, you oh ab- without question you will you know you you will be reaching a worldwide audience uh, with this broadcast. We're lucky enough to have uh, downloads from ninety three countries around the world. Wow. And, uh, so let me ask you guys this question. Yeah. We, uh, are about to start a podcast, uh, down here that is, um, going to deal with, uh, probably mostly issues that are internal to the church, uh, and, and some of the social issues that are going on in America right now. But, um, I also told the guys that I want to have a program on a regular basis where we have a panel of, of a half panel of Christians, a half panel of atheists. So, it, you know, I'm talking six to eight guys who, who might come on the program. Half of them are Christian, half of them are atheists. We pick a topic and we provide the varying Christian perspectives on the issue, and the atheists uh, talk about their perspectives on that issue and why they think that and so on and so forth, just to have a, I call it Christians and atheists in conversation. That's all it is. It's not a debate. Mm-hmm. It's just a conversation. It's why we think this way about this, this issue and why we don't. Yep. Uh, so I would I would wonder if you guys would be open in the future uh, to uh, maybe coming onto that panel and uh, participating in that. What do you think? Sure, if we have the time, if we, yeah. can, if we can line it up, yeah. Yeah, if we can line it up, fire it up. I, I, I have infinitely more free time than Dean does. Um, but, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, if opportunity presents itself, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can, yeah, I, I have no, uh, yeah, I think the only, uh, I think the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. And, um, yeah, I'm, I am open. The other thing we didn't talk about before is I'm open to having my mind changed. I have no delusions of, uh, of perfection in any way, shape or form. So, and if you convince me of something, I'll have no choice but to accept it. So... But um, but again, I really want to you know, we really want to thank you for uh, for coming on. It was, yes, a, thank it, was you. A, it was a good talk, and um, you'll be able to look for uh, this. This will show up in the in the Twitter feed either later today or first thing tomorrow morning, and uh, you can post and leave comments. You can tweet. You can share. You can do whatever. And we're glad to hear that uh, all the uh, church members that you know are going to be listening to this. Yeah, it's good. So uh, you know, we have uh, we just for for you and for your listeners. I'm, I guess I'm talking now to uh, to to Ed's friends and uh, and people who will be listening to this. You can go back into our back catalog. We've had conversations with apologists like Blake Genta, uh, the founder of uh, beliefmap.org. 
Um, we've had uh, we've also had some other <laughs> some more controversial guests like uh, like Lawrence Krauss, former president of American Atheists, uh, David Silverman, Aaron Raw. Mm. Um, we've also had Saiten uh, Bruggenkane, and we yep. also had a discussion with Kent Hovind. So there's there's certainly some some discussions that uh, that some of your listeners may find uh, entertaining. Um, we are I'm in the process. I'm trying to set up uh, more rounds with Kent. Um, there's there seems to be a little bit of a scheduling issue uh, as far as uh, as far as that goes. And Sai, in fact, uh, tweeted at me uh, just the other day saying, "Can't wait to have round two. So we're gonna have uh, we're gonna get that ball rolling as well. And and Sai is a very I think he's a he's a good man. I believe he's very genuine. And although we disagree uh, on things, I don't know that I've ever I don't know that I've ever met quote unquote met physically met uh, a more sincere person. He certainly believes the things mm-hmm. he says he believes. He's a good guy. So, okay, so on that note, uh, I think that's enough trouble for us to get into for uh, for this week. But uh, right. I guess until after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so and what Merry we'll do Christmas is, and Happy New yeah, Year. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Happy we'll do holidays. A little, uh, we'll do a little, our little sign-off here, and then after I stop pushing the record button, we'll say a proper goodbye uh, off the air. So, okay. but, uh, but until next time, which will probably be in 2019, Yep. sadly, <laughs> I have been Michael. I have been Dean. And we shall see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been the CA. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please drop by the iTunes store and give us a review and subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they release. Just a reminder, the views expressed on this broadcast are solely those of the hosts and are for entertainment purposes only. Never take advice from two guys expressing an opinion on a podcast. That's just silly. See you back here soon.